Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. This episode is brought to you by Our Visual Brain. Our Visual Brain is a perceptual and academic skill-building platform doctors and patients use together. We have been utilizing this web-based platform during both our in-office and teletherapy sessions and have seen great engagement and progress in our patients from their activities. The website is comprised of 50-plus game series with well over 200 activities that are made with direct input from both vision therapists and doctors. They cover basic to advanced skill levels and have innovative anti-suppression and MFBF activities. Their ability to support diverse learning styles for all ages makes working on perceptual and academic skills fun and engaging for patients. OVB packs a ton of value into their packages because they want you to help as many patients as you can. Sign up for the most popular option, the Clinic Plus account, which provides unlimited use of their entire library, and they will throw in 25 free annual home programs. Visit their website at www.rvisualbrain.com to learn more. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. We hope that you had a wonderful Easter. I know that I had so much fun with Daisy this year because she's three and she really understands what's going on with Easter. So that's really what we wanted to highlight with our weekly insight, that all the things associated with Easter are actually have some visual basis to them. And we love that. Easter egg hunting is really a great figure ground activity, uh, being able to spot something in a busy background, um, as well as a good tracking and scanning activity. Um, And even just coloring the eggs, knowing, you know, where you want to put them and planning out the colors that they're going to do is still a really great activity that helps to build all of those skills necessary to learn in school. So I know Easter was super fun this year for my family. John Anthony didn't really understand. He was just chasing Daisy around following her while she was picking up all of the eggs. So that was super, super fun. But Daisy really enjoyed this holiday and loved the Easter egg hunt. How about Teddy? Did he enjoy his first, actually second Easter? Yeah, second Easter. Oh, he had a blast. He's obsessed with Easter egg hunting. We actually are keeping it going beyond Easter. And he's so cute. He thinks the Easter eggs look like bubbles. So he keeps saying bubble, bubble. Uh, So we had like a little display out in our yard of Easter eggs, which became a hindrance. We had to move them inside because every time he looked out the window, he was obsessed with wanting to go out and get them. So now we just keep in the garage a little Easter bunny basket with all of his eggs in there and he carries them around when we go outside and we we hide them and he picks them up. So it's one of his new favorite activities. So we're going to keep it going beyond Easter, I think. <laughs> I love that. It. I actually, it's funny you say that because Daisy was saying how she wanted to have more Easter egg hunts and you're a better mom than me because I just put everything in the basement and I hid them um, because I was like, I can't keep doing this. This is nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of cleaning up. We have an Easter basket on the play mat we have two in the garage <laughs> yeah but. it is a lot but it's fun I mean it's it I think the best part of being a parent is getting to relive all of the holidays and the excitement around them uh John and I also did like bunny prints it, around the house um that so to have like the bunny coming through the house with flour and Daisy was like oh my gosh it was like the best thing seeing her in the morning um 
looking through the house, seeing where the bunny went. Um, so the excitement of the holiday is always so wonderful. So I hope everybody else had a great Easter or Passover, whatever you celebrate. And, you know, it really is the kickoff to spring and sunshine and spending more time outside. So I know we're all looking forward to that. Uh, with that, that actually is a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today, which is kicking off our kind of ocular health series and how changes in the eye and different diseases within the eye can change the functionality of how you see and how you function. So the first one that we're going to highlight is age-related macular degeneration. Now, this one I feel like is a very common eye disease that the general population is aware of. Sometimes we talk, people are not aware of things that can happen in their eyes. Uh, but this one I feel like is a hot topic that people really understand. They come in and come in asking us, do I have macular degeneration? So it's definitely uh, something that the general population knows about, but what is macular degeneration? So I think we have to kind of backtrack and talk about the area that macular degeneration affects, which is your macula. So what is your macula? So your retina is the whole back portion of your eye and the macula is the very central portion of your retina. And it's where all of your central quote unquote 2020 vision comes from. So it's a very essential part of your retina and it really is responsible for that detailed, very fine vision centrally, which really comes into play when we're going to talk about symptoms that can occur. Lots of conditions can affect your retina and your macula, uh, but macular degeneration is very prevalent and is actually the leading cause of vision loss in people 50 years and older. So we thought it was really important to highlight this as one of our first diseases. And as we continue this series, you'll see we're going to kind of hop around within the eye. We'll do back of the eye, front of the eye, a little bit in the middle. Um, we're just going to take it as it goes. Yeah. So let's jump into macular degeneration, right? So there are two types of macular degeneration. There is a dry form and a wet form. So the dry form is the more common form and it, it doesn't have that many visual disturbances unless in the very early stages. You can have early, early macular degeneration changes and not have any vision changes at all. The more visually devastating form is the wet version of macular degeneration. And what we mean by wet is that the eye actually starts to grow these abnormal blood vessels and they start to leak and bleed and cause fluid within the retina. And once the anatomy of the retina is disrupted, it is very visually de devastating. And often we can't get that vision back, which is why we want to talk about macular degeneration because it really can permanently cause vision changes and even lead to blindness, which we never want any of our patients to get to. So what exactly is causing macular degeneration? I think this is a really big question that I don't think we have all of the answers to. Um, there's really still a lot of ongoing research into what exactly causes these age changes to the retina and you know, a lot of research is going into more preventative measures into looking at the structure of the retina. Um, but really a, a big component of what's happening to the retina as we age is it starts to thin. Um, so this really can happen all throughout the retina, but especially within that central part of your retina called your macula. And as that retina starts to thin, um, your retina is really made up of 10 layers and our bottom layer is made up of a pigment layer. And it has pumps within it that as your eye goes through metabolism, uh, those pumps kind of pump out all of the, the waste products of that metabolism pr uh, process within the retina. And as that bottom layer can start to thin, that 
pump function can then decline. And then what that means is those metabolic waste products can start to build up in the bottom layer of the retina. Now on our end, when reviewing your retina, the way that we can tell this is happening is we start to see drusen. And these are little small yellow or white deposits within that bottom layer of the retina. And that's kind of the, the very first stage of macular degeneration. That pump change can also manifest in just some mild pigment changes where we may see little areas of less pigment than usual or areas of extra pigmentation within that macular area. And that's what we're really looking for um, when we're diagnosing early macular degeneration. Now, over time, what can happen is these drusen can start to become larger. They can start to multiply. If they enlarge and they're next to another drusen, they can start to coalesce and almost connect. And if that happens over a big area, you can actually get a large area of atrophy within the macula where the whole retinal tissue has, has died off. Or what can happen is if those drusen become large enough, they can start to break through just that bottom layer of the retina and enter those layers above. And that can lead to the potential for new blood vessel growth because the retina isn't getting as much oxygen as it needs to. And that's a big trigger for new blood vessels to grow because new blood vessels bring oxygen in. However, new blood vessels that are growing to try to bring in new oxygen often aren't as healthy as blood vessels that are normally there. They tend to be thinner, more fragile, and they can be very, very leaky. So this is where wet macular degeneration can come into play because if you're getting those breaks in the retina and new blood vessels growing that can be leaky, you can start to see fluid or even bleeding within the central part of the retina. And this can really have a devastating effect on the health of your retina and your central vision. Yeah. So you covered that so wonderfully. So those are all the things that we see. But now as the patient, you're saying like, oh my God, how would I not know if those things were happening in the back part of the eye? And the truth is, is that you will know because it does affect your central vision. So things that you might start to see is that your central vision starts to decline and things just don't seem as sharp as they used to. They might become blurry or distorted. I've had a patient that they noticed that something was off when they were in church and the pews, you know, they're so straight. They noticed that it was a little bit askew and they couldn't understand why the pews weren't exactly lined up the way that they were supposed to. And then you can have a central blind spot and it can be asymmetric between the two eyes. So, you know, some sometimes this is hard for patients if there is a big asymmetry because the brain kind of takes over and kind of suppresses that one eye. Uh, and you don't realize, I've, we've both had patients that they cover one eye and they're like, oh my God, I can't see out of one eye. When did that happen? Uh, so those are things that you want to look for as a patient, little changes in your vision, blurriness, distortion, things like that. And as we always say, the best thing to do is to get an yearly eye exam so that we can monitor and pick up on those small changes. And we can then guide you for things that you can control to help lessen the risk of developing macular degeneration and going into that wet form. So we're talking about your macula, your central retina, blind spots. At the end of the day, what does that mean to patients that are starting to develop macular degeneration? and How does it affect their daily life? Well, when you think about it, if you are looking straight ahead and you have a distortion in your vision or you have a more advanced form of macular degeneration that's causing that blind spot centrally, that can affect a lot of your daily activities involving your visual function, right? So imagine trying to look straight ahead and what you're looking at has this blind spot right in front of you and it's blacked out. That can make it really hard to read because you're trying to read around this, this dark spot that's moving as your eye moves. It can make it really hard to recognize faces because when we look at faces, we're looking centrally at people's faces and 
portions of people's face can look like they're missing if you have a blind spot. It can also really impact on distance activities such as driving or watching TV. Uh, one adaptation that some patients with more advanced macular degeneration try to do to move their vision around that blind spot is do something called eccentric viewing um, because it can be very bothersome to see this blind spot right in the center of whatever you're trying to view. So the brain learns to adapt and use a non-central retina point uh, to fixate and try to look almost around that blind spot and use that portion of the retina to view, which is effective in moving that blind spot away from what you're essentially looking at. However, as you look away from the macula to other points of the retina, your vision does decline. So by doing that, you, you're never going to have the level of vision by using a, a non-central point of your retina that you would if you could use your macula to view something. Right, and I think it's really important and, and it, we've kind of had this undertone, but to make the point outward that we, when these changes start to happen, glasses can't fix it. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of patients to understand and kind of grasp, right? They think, oh, I wear glasses when my vision's been blurry before, my doctor changes my glasses and it's fixed and I can see clearly again. And that's not the case here because structurally in the back part of the eye, it's being negatively affected by these changes. And the, the the vision is just not able to be corrected for because of those changes. So that's just something I, I just want to really send home to our listeners is that glasses don't fix everything in the eye. Um, they help, but they don't fix everything. So, but the things that we can do when a patient does have advancing macular degeneration. There's lots of options. We, we can tweak their glasses. We can have higher reading prescriptions or set them up with magnifiers. Um, and this is really Dr. L's area where she does something called low vision, where she has all these devices to help patients make their activities of daily life a little bit easier. So Dr. L, do you want to talk a little bit about some things that you can do with them? So like Dr. Z mentioned, you know, glasses aren't the end-all be-all. And unfortunately, with disease processes like macular degeneration, once tissue is lost in the retina, there's no way to really give you that back. So then from our standpoint, um, especially Dr. Z and I and our approach with how functional we are, we really look at the remaining vision that a patient has and what we can do to maximize that for the patient um, to try to improve their function the best that we can. These options are really not necessarily going to correct your vision back to a perfect 2020 vision, but it's going to take whatever remaining vision you have and improve your activities of daily living. So we can prescribe stronger glasses can sometimes be of a benefit, especially when it comes to reading. Um, I do sometimes with my macular degeneration patients, give them a much higher reading prescription that does help magnify. Um, just keep in mind that that does mean you shorten your working distance. So it means that you have to hold print a little bit closer. Another thing along with reading is extra illumination can be very, very beneficial to these patients. I usually recommend to my patients to use something like a gooseneck lamp that can really give direct illumination onto whatever they're trying to read because that can really maximize the, the print level that they can see. Another thing that I uh, typically recommend is trying reverse contrast. Not everyone responds well to this, but to some people, 
reading on a black background with white fonts can really help enhance the vision that's left and help them see clearer than they would with our traditional white background with black print. Um, and then going into some other more device type options, you know, your eye provider may be able to prescribe you something like a handheld magnifier um, or a telescope that can help magnify a portion of the field of view that you're trying to see um, by making the, the font a little bit bigger or the targets a little bit larger for you. Um, with those, it usually does cut down on your depth of field a little bit. So the area that you can see is smaller, but the area that's in there is magnified for you so you can see that print a little bit clearer and easier. So for some patients, these are really nice options to help them return to reading tasks, uh, driving tasks that they, they couldn't do without these devices. And along the lines of that adaptation, I talked about that eccentric viewing that can sometimes be beneficial to macular degeneration patients. We can actually train you on how to do that better. Uh, some people tend to just adapt and do this on their own and figure it out and do it very well, uh, but not everyone does. And so we can actually use scanning and tracking activities to teach you how to use a non-central point of the retina to view to help move that blind spot out of your central vision. Yeah, so you covered that so well, because that really is the functional piece to all this, right? We want our patients, and this is really our goal at Twin Forks Optometry and at Vision is More Than 2020, is how can we get you to see your best and function the best? And that's really what our goals are. And all of those things can really help. Now, the area that we can't help in is if they do transition into that wet form, we do have to refer to our ophthalmologic colleagues that can do lasers, which they don't do nearly as frequently, or they do injections in the eye of that help to reduce that bleeding in the back to really quell that to lessen the amount of scarring and permanent damage that happens to the back part of the eye. So there are definitely things that we can do. Uh, and really, we're the ones that after the treatment has been done, what do we do now? And that's where you and I come in and our optometric colleagues come in because that's really what optometry is all about is getting people to see the best that they can. And that's really the most important thing. Cause I think that for some patients, when they do come in and they, they have reduced visual function, they feel like they can't do anything. And it's really sad. And the, I, we're, we're really hoping to spread the word that there is so many options for patients now that we can do to help them live a life that is full and that they love. And, you know, all this advancing technology is so fantastic because there are so many options on your phones and your tablets to be able to get the information in through other systems like our ears and our hands to still be able to get the information that we want and have a wonderful experience, no matter what level of vision we have. So that's really where, like I said, it all kind of comes together with this podcast is that we really want people to understand the functionality of their vision isn't, isn't completely gone when they have reduced vision. So now you're probably wondering, wondering, right? This is like, oh my gosh, this sounds very scary, but am I at risk for macular degeneration? Is there things that I can do to control if I get macular degeneration? And the answer is yes. Um, now, as with any disease, right, there's a genetic component and then there's an environmental component. 
Unfortunately, we can't change our genetics. We can't choose our parents. They chose us. So there is definitely a higher risk in Caucasian patients. Light hair, light eyed, light skinned tend to be a bit more susceptible to macular degeneration. And that is and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a, just a minute, but it's because of the UV exposure and they don't have as much natural protection as someone like me with dark hair and dark eyes. So other environmental factors that can play a role if your diet is high in saturated fat or if you are obese, cardiovascular disease, if you're over 50, and if you are a smoker, there is actually a three times higher risk of developing macular degeneration associated with smoking. So those environmental factors, you can control those. You can change your diet. You can work on making, you know, exercising and incorporating that in and not smoke. Those are things that you can definitely do. And I think this is a very common question that Dr. Z and I get, and I'm sure other doctors out there listening get where, you know, someone comes in because they have a family history of macular degeneration, or we diagnose them with, you know, early stages, they want to know what can I do about this? And unfortunately with, with macular degeneration and what's known about it currently, there's no really great predictor of who's going to go on and develop macular degeneration or in those who develop early stages, are they going to go on and prevent the severe form? Um, so when we're looking at our patients, we don't have a great predictor of someone to say, you're going to stay stable, and then you, you're going to progress on and form macular degeneration. There is a lot of ongoing research into really figuring out more about the exact mechanism of what's occurring to try to figure out that predictive piece. Um, but we both really like to take an approach where we educate all of our patients who are either concerned about developing macular degeneration or concerned about progression. And there are certain recommendations that we make to those patients just to help them protect the retina and live the most healthy life that they can. And a lot of these tie into those risk factors that Dr. Z just went over both, especially with the environmental ones that you can control. So our first recommendation is to avoid smoking. Um, and if you're someone who is maybe getting early diagnosed with macular degeneration, it's really important to consider smoking cessation because that is one of the biggest risk factors for progressing on and developing more severe forms of macular degeneration. Uh, the next is really protecting those eyes from UV light um, that does play a role in progression and risk of macular degeneration. So you want to make sure when you're outside, you're wearing glasses that protect you from that UV light. Um, the next is really just kind of all encompassing with a healthy lifestyle because whatever is healthy for your body is healthy for your eyes. Everything is connected. So we really like to encourage a lot of leafy greens in your diet, omega-3s in your diet as well. Um, general exercise and maintaining a healthy weight um, because that's going to really lower your risk for having that diet high in saturated fat, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. So you're really hitting all of those risk factors by living a nice, healthy life. Um, the next thing that comes up a lot in our conversations with macular degeneration are those multivitamins that you may see advertised. A lot, the, the most common one is the AREDS multivitamin for macular degeneration. Um, so that marketing team does a wonderful job getting the word out about those multivitamins and that they're accessible. Um, but 
I like to judiciously recommend these vitamins to my patients because they did a really, really large scale clinical trial on these vitamins to see who they actually benefited. And the results of that ARED study showed that the supplementation that they were looking at, which is essentially a combination of vitamin C, vitamin E, lutein, zeaxanthin, zinc, and copper, it really showed the most benefit in patients who had moderate stage macular degeneration and preventing them from going on and progressing to more severe forms. The trial actually showed no proven benefit to those who either didn't have the disease yet or only had early disease. So I like to follow the recommendations of the clinical trial and any of my patients that are more a moderate stage, I make sure that they're supplementing with an AREDS multivitamin. Um, but my, my early patients, I don't necessarily recommend it to them if they are not falling into that moderate stage category. I was going to say on that note, I actually try to deter patients from just taking these medications early because I'm a very big believer that we have to be careful about the things that we put in our body. And there are no long-term studies that say, if I take these high-dose antioxidants, C, E, and zinc and copper, if there's any negative effects to them, uh, because they are high doses. And if it's for a reason, then it makes sense, right? Because it's been proven to help prevent severe disease. But the, the study said, absolutely, there's no proven benefit in taking these. So why would you put something in your body that you don't know if there's any negative effect? When all of those things, right, vitamin C, vitamin E, all of those antioxidants, you can get them from your diet. You really are what you eat. And that is the stance that I really take with my patients is eat your vegetables, eat your antioxidants. The darker the vegetable and the fruit, the better it is for you and the better it is for your eye. Um, so that's something to consider because I think sometimes there are some patients that are just like, let me just pop a pill, like, and then, you know, and let me just take the medicine instead. But I, I think the important thing is to take control of your health. And like I said before, you can't control your genetics, but you can control those environmental factors and taking control of what you're eating, how you're eating, how you're exercising and staying hydrated. Those things will serve you better than just taking a, a pill to hopefully prevent the disease that we don't know that much about. So uh, that's how I feel uh, when it comes to that. And I think Dr. L often says the same things to her patients. Yeah, absolutely. I like to judiciously prescribe um, and, and follow the recommendations that have been proven by science. And so really our, our last big recommendation, which we are always going back to is to monitor your vision and always get routine eye exams, um, especially for that early detection piece, because at the beginning of not only macular degeneration, but a lot of the disease processes we're going to be talking about, you can be very asymptomatic in the beginning stages. And disease can only be detected if you are going and getting your eyes looked at. And so we really highly recommend getting an annual exam, especially if you have, you know, a combination of the risk factors that we went over, um, especially that family history piece or any history of smoking. It's always a good idea to go and have your retina checked and see if there's any early changes. Um, and then if you have been told you have any form of macular degeneration, it's very important to monitor your vision closely. And like Dr. Z had talked about before, Macular degeneration can very often be asymmetric and affect one eye before the other, and you don't always notice a vision change in just one eye. So just by simply 
you know, covering one eye and checking to make sure that your vision is not distorted or blurry can be very helpful for, for early detection. And we also dispense to all of our macular degeneration patients an AMSOR grid, which essentially looks like a little piece of graph paper. Um, and it's a really great way to monitor your vision for any distortions or changes in your central vision. Yeah, so overall, there are a lot of things that you can control when it comes to macular degeneration. And we hope that you guys know that if macular degeneration is present in you or someone in your family, there are definite optical options to help them live a more fulfilled life and using the vision that they do have. If you have any questions about any of this, make sure to message us on our Instagram and we can get those questions answered for you. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit more about your eye. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020, and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry, on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.